Secrets of Small Business. Our purpose is to have fun talking about small business stuff. Uh, Along the way, we're going to be giving you knowledge and tools to succeed with your small business, whether you're just starting or you're an established business. My name is Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my business partner, Adam Sunhalder. That's right. Jack and I like to talk about stuff. Stuff's always a, it's a good catch-all kind of word, and when it comes to small business, we use that, we use that term a lot. We talk about small. Our typical clients are anywhere from one to 25 employees, which is the vast majority of the, of the businesses out there in this country. And we're and we are here to help. That's what we do day to day in our coaching practice. But when we're here on the air each Monday, we're here to help those folks as well by sharing some different stories and and uh, between our personal experience, you know, between Jack and I, we've personally owned and operated 20 small companies. We've also coached and advised hundreds more. So we have lots of experience, real world, from guys who've been there and done it versus guys who've just read about it. So we're here to share and help with that. That's what, that's what the Dirty Secrets of Small Business is all about. And we're hoping to be able to expose all those things and to, to answer some of the questions that, that you might have as well. Okay. Well, today's show, we have a standard format. Uh, sometimes we vary off it, depending on what's going on here in the studio. But uh, common myths of small businesses, were, uh, of small business ownership, uh, that's the first segment. We're going to debunk some of the myths that are just so common and, and spread throughout uh, the whole small business world. And the second segment is the dirty secret of the week. Third segment is how come with a question mark. What does that mean? Well, I've been pondering. I've been been pondering for the last week or so uh, the world around me, and I have a, a couple of observations here that I'm going to sort of share with everybody with a question mark. How come this exists, that, that exists, etc.? And then a small business success story from our vast choice of MVP clients. We're business coaches, and Adam's going to share one of those success stories with you. Okay, so you know most business owners are stuck in a state of how. Do all you folks out there know that? You small <laughs> business owners who are out there, do you know that there's a high chance that you're stuck in a state of how? How what? How do I make a profit plan? How do I present my company? How do I even understand the, the financials of my company? How do I create a marketing plan? How do I find good people? How, how, how? That, that list is endless. Do you realize that? And it comes every single day. Oh, we're business coaches, as I say, and we help small business owners get unstuck from that state of how. If one of the how questions you're wrestling with is, how do I get a hold of those guys when they're not in the air? That's a great question to ask, and I got the answer for that. You can uh, reach out to us by phone, 877-849-0670. That's 877-849-0670. If you want to know more about us, check us out on the web at MaximumVP.com. And for our radio listeners, if you have questions or things you'd like to submit via email instead of uh, doing it here by calling in, you can email us at radio at MaximumVP.com. So lots of ways as far as how you can get a hold of us. All right, so our first segment we're going to go through today is we're going to debunk, as Jack mentioned, a common myth. We do, that, we do this every week, and uh, this week we have, a, we have a myth that... Uh, Something that's been driving us bonkers for a while. And uh, the myth that we, we see out there is that they tell you to be active on all social networks. 
Yeah, raise your hand if you heard that one before. You, know, you have to get out there and be active on all these different social networks. So My hands raised, Adam. My hands raised <laughs> and waving. Got them both up and jumping around. And that's I, right. I feel like Horseshack here. Ooh, ooh, that's me. That's me Horseshack. over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So th- there are so many of them out there. And so I was, I was doing a little Google search here in terms of social networks. I was trying to figure out how, how many exist because it's one of those things that, that it's changing so frequently it's hard to keep up on things. But uh, I found a little article here by... Uh, I'm going to say the name is Elise, L-I-I-S, Hainla from uh, DreamGrow. And so based on estimated unique visitors per month, all right, number one is Facebook. You got over a billion, 1.13 billion. Not too far behind is YouTube with one billion. So you got two of those guys already with, with over a billion. That's a billion unique, estimated unique monthly visitors. So a lot of people are going to check those places out. Then there's, there's a little bit of a fall off. Number three is Twitter at 313 million. Followed by LinkedIn at 255 million, and rounding out the top five is Pinterest at 250 million. Hmm. So uh, I think those are names most people have heard of: Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest. They've been there for a little while. That starts to get a little more sketchy, or things that aren't as you know are not as popular. You have things like Google Plus and Tumblr and Instagram and Reddit, and something was called VK. Well. How do you keep up with all these things? People try to tell you to get out there and, and be and be social, and you, and you hear things about these different products that are there that help to consolidate things or to take you know one message and push it out to a bunch of things. I'm thinking, well, how is that being social? I mean, because you're you know to be social, it's, it's to be present. You know, that's that sounds more annoying. That, that's yeah. how we usually read that stuff. Yeah, it's just kind of pushing things out there, and you're not you're not really engaged. It's like. Hey, you know, if you have a chance to go to five parties this weekend, you can only go to one. Okay, we'll pick the one you want to go to, right? Or maybe, maybe you can go to two, and, and versus just kind of show, make an appearance. You know, be like a politician and say, "Hey, hey I was there." Okay, let me, let me move on to the next one. Okay, well, but to be there and engage and really be part of it, it's very difficult to be in all those things. I think many of the the people who sell these uh, uh, social networks basically are looking at an audience who is absolutely ripe for taking. They just don't understand it. They they have to put their hands almost totally in the professionals uh, who who sell this stuff. There's a big time and investment situation if you're to pursue all social networks. I mean, it's it's an impossibility. You know, you you have to basically uh, figure out what's best for your company, what's appropriate, what kind of a budget. I hate that word, but what kind of money? What kind of money? Can you logically spend per month to develop your business and promote your business through social networking? That's how you have to start it. Well, it's a, it's a combination. We always talk about marketing, Jack, as being that balance of, or you're, you're weighing the scales between time and money. That's what you're always trying to trying to look at when it comes to it. And I think one of the big attractions of social media is that the cost usually tends to be pretty low, cost from a dollars and money standpoint. It's more from a time standpoint. Yeah, there's a study I read probably six months ago. They talked about uh, folks who had had some success with with developing business online, and the study that, that that was done showed that it took an average of about two years, two years to get some results, and that averaged 30 hours per week. Wow! So basically, a full time effort, a full time you know a full time employee equivalent for two years to start getting stuff. So while it might seem free, quote-unquote free, because you aren't necessarily having to pay money for it, you're spending a lot of time and effort to make this thing start to happen. Oh, yeah, you put a value on your time, and those numbers really are racked up. You know, if there are any any uh, business owners or people who even sell social networking, give us a call. Tell us some uh, 
we'll call it war stories, good or bad. How about some success stories? I think that's always the hardest one to, to, to find out. People jump into this stuff, and I think many don't put that time and effort into it. They'll, they'll start out, you know, gung-ho, ready to kind of go. I'm doing all this stuff, and it may last for a few weeks or a few months, or you know, but then it kind of dies out because all of a sudden they aren't getting immediate results. They're hoping, hey, this thing comes, and it's going to all of a sudden drop all this great stuff on me, and it's, it's a very crowded see out there of stuff so to to, to, to to be found you know you have to be there and you know, if you don't enjoy it you gotta find somebody who actually enjoys being social like that online yeah, not everybody yeah, does that's that's absolutely right and you know you, you have to do homework there's no question you just can't do something quickly and all of a sudden you're out there you know you have to analyze where your past business is from where did it come from and profile ideal clients and that's usually the best way to do it so if you get 15 20 characteristics of your ideal client again your ideal client comes from someone who's paid you money in the past and then you basically you you look to the various uh sites and programs of social networks to see who fits that profile the best and that's who you really commit bucks to yeah, it should be part of an overall marketing plan, not just the marketing plan to be online. And, and part of it, too, I think you, you want to define what success looks like. Because a lot of the, the success, especially early on, may not be leads or, or, or new business. It might be something like increased traffic to your website or, or things like that. There's different things that, they, that you can measure. So the, the, there's a lot of good stuff with it. I mean, Absolutely. You know, so it beats the old yeah. days of, hey, let's, you know, let's do a, a direct mail piece where we spend all this time and effort and money to, to, to mail stuff out, and then we cross our fingers and hope that it gets to the person we're hoping that it gets to, let alone if they can open it and read it. You know, there's a lot of great data that's available with this online stuff. So we're, we aren't saying don't get involved because, again, there's the, this whole, whole social media trend is here to stay. Now, which of the, the sites lasts? You know, that's going to change over the next five or ten years. But the, you know, the idea of social media being there, much like the Internet was 20 years ago, it's still going to be present. So you've got to be part of it, but don't jump into everything at once. There's a place for it. There's no question. And it's going to keep getting bigger, but you, you have to be selective in how you use it. All right. Stick with us. When we come back, we're going to be digging into our dirty secret this week. My name's Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. As we said before, we're business coaches. We can help you get unstuck from those how questions that, that continually plague your business. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP, Most Valuable Player. Remember it that way. We're business coaches who help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. Don't you wrestle with all those how questions on your own, really. We can help, and, and we've had great success through almost 15 years together doing this stuff. So you know what we're doing? We have fun, and we can help you too, small business owner. Get unstuck. You know, we're going to get into our dirty secret of the week, and before we do, you know, whenever I hear a, a Grateful Dead song, it always reminds me of my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, you know, and it, it was one of those things, like, it was like his first time where he started to feel like he was older, right? Because uh, his son was in high school at that point, and he comes home and he says, "Dad, I found this fantastic new band. They're so great. They're, you know, they're, they're just they're, they're amazing." He goes, "Who is it?" He said, "Grateful Dead." Right? And his dad had been a you know a Grateful Dead fan for 
for years. He's like, oh, man, I'm, uh, I've officially become old, right? <laughs> That's how it happens. Yes, it does. Creeps up on you, and all of a sudden it's there. All right, so we're at the point of our Dirty Secrets of Small Business show here. We're going to be revealing our Dirty Secret of the Week. Our Dirty Secret of the Week this week might be a little depressing for us. Just get ready for it, but you know, we're going to talk about it anyway. So the Dirty Secret is this. Most of your team will disappoint you eventually. How true that is. That's a good tie-in. You know, as I was making that segue, it wasn't totally off you know, the cuff, I guess, in terms of kids. Because kids will often disappoint you, too, right? And that's, that, that's one of those very cuts-to-the-chase kind of things. You know, nothing worse than disappointing your parents, right? So to think that your employees, which at times people think about their employees almost like, like their kids to a certain extent. And so they're going to disappoint you. Even the good ones are going to disappoint you at times, right? Well, eventually. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, you know, we can chat about it like we're going to do here, and it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Disappointment isn't all bad. Oh, before we get to how it isn't all bad, let's talk about how... how <laughs> well, we have different examples. We have different examples of work. It'd be very, very tough, okay? And uh, especially when it comes to small companies, because you have often, you have family and friends of people who are close to you. And those can be particularly biting or tough when a sibling when a, when a child when a cousin when a, a good friend who's you know outside of the business disappoints you doesn't quite live up to what you're hoping them for you know for them to do and we've seen that happen a lot a lot well the big the big thing is why why does that happen well there's basically self-interest that's the big driver self-interest is really good what's going to change people's lives and along with that, their goals and their relationships. That's why eventually people will disappoint you. And it doesn't mean a dagger in the heart all the time. Sometimes it does. But sometimes your your long-standing partner has decided to head up in another direction after X years. And, oh, boy, that's that's going to be a lonely feeling if you've been together for a while, that kind of stuff. Or if there's health issues, and often spouses, uh, you know, are are a big, big part of of what drives change. And and again, that change is is geared to self-interest. And I have to do this. I, I it's it's time, Adam, or uh, whatever the case may be here. And there's problems outside of just health, financial problems, just a, a reflective period. One of their good friends dies, or one of their friends hits something, and it makes you think. You go away for a while and you come back and, hey, i got to do things different in my life. And it's usually that break-off. It's usually that break versus the stab in the heart. Those are obvious ones. Those, those yeah. are. <laughs> well, you get those. But you also, you know, I, I think we've seen it a lot, Jack, with a lot of our clients when they're going through some pretty good growth phases. One of the things we focus a lot on, and it's one of our seven keys to success, is the organization plan. And what that means is kind of getting the right people on board. And there's a certain point as you're, when you're running your company that you've got to have good people for you to keep on growing because at some point there's only one of you if you have a partner like jack's mentioned there's two of you but only so much you can do you need a good team around you and so we had a client that's been a client for ours for for a long time and and early on they they they'd gotten one of those those, those kind of breaking points where they got some good people on board and they and they had a key guy who basically quit on them you know, it was an exciting time. Things are going really well, and, and they're, they're laying out their vision. Here's where we're trying to go with the company, and we think you can be a key part helping us get there. And he said, I don't think I'm the guy to help get, you, know, to help get you there. Okay, so like, what do you wow, do? That, right. big, that yeah. big empty feeling. and, and yeah, it, it's so, so, so you're all excited, and all of a sudden you, you, you now get a punch in the gut. And so if this 
particular case, what happened was it was viewed as a negative by the staff. The rest of the team was now mad at the owners. Well, the owners didn't do anything, didn't do anything wrong. They were, they were saying, look, the, the guy quit on us. Why are, you mad, why are you mad at me? All of a sudden, things are going to be going. It's like, holy cow. You know, so, yeah, so, so, so that happens a lot, things like it's that. A, you know, it's a feeling of sadness, really, when you peel it all back. You, you have these great expectations. You're, you're pumped up going forward. You just did a, a plan for next year, and things are going pretty well. And all of a sudden, she pulls the rug out from under you and gives you news that, hey, my husband uh, is, is moving to Japan or whatever it's going to go. And so it's a sadness that takes over. And, uh, and uh, God bless it, you know. It's just uh, now i got to pick it up. And that, that euphoric feeling of optimism and looking ahead and, and just getting ready, chomping at the bit to get going, all of a sudden gets, gets uh, wiped out. Now you got to regroup again. And then because of that, I was telling that early on here, that disappointment. Well, give me some positive stuff, Jack. Come on, I'm getting, I'm getting kind of depressed here. Why don't, you, why don't you liven us up and pump us up a little bit? How can it be positive? Well, you can, it, it starts to, it helps you manage your expectations. Now, we know several people personally who are so optimistic that it's, it's from a business standpoint, that it, it just gets in the way. You know, you you have to take expectations and, and sprinkle it with reality. And when you get disappointed, the next time through that that best opportunity in the world comes along, you're going to be a little skeptical for good reasons. And it kind of puts the gears in your mind working in a way that's going to be more self preserving here and it's going to make you a better person by going through those because life isn't as we all know one big easy ride that's one good thing about it okay hold on so uh, expectations okay so i think part of yeah part of what happens when you have good people there's a big relief that happens because yeah, often you as the owner it's that you know the, the visual of atlas carrying the world on his shoulders right and so if you have somebody who's good you can take a part of that and, and offload it off your shoulder to somebody else it's like it feels so good to have that so yeah when you have sure somebody good does. you want to you want to give them more i think what you're saying jack is okay well be careful i let those things off your shoulders don't like dump it all on somebody and okay you walk away because <laughs> chances are they aren't going to be able to be, be able to support it yeah it, right? it helps define what is good for you and what isn't good for you in other words, the feeling coming out of this thing is going to be deeper for, for some things other than others. And it's that recognition that basically can allow you to kind of analyze your own passion. I don't, you know, how I feel about that word, but using it in this context. It's, it's something that, that tells me because of the depth that I feel and disappointed with the, with the circumstances here, it tells me I really do like this thing. It's going to make me try hard. Those are good things. So those really are good things about disappointment. So it's going to it's going to re-energize you and recommit you to your to your to your company. It's going to tell you a lot about you, and hopefully through that process, the reflection that 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 uh, takes place, you're going to be a better person for it next time. Okay, it's all part of the growing pains, right? It's part of part I would, of growth. I think that's the right way right. to say it. That's right. We got we have about about another minute here, but why don't you give me? You have another positive one, Jack? You get to know yourself through reflection much better, and you try harder. You try harder, or like you don't. Avis? Wait, like or Avis. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> all right, right, we're, we're gonna try. We're gonna try harder. They're number three now, aren't they? I don't know. They're going the wrong way. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sometimes you try so hard, if you're in quicksand, you start to kind of go down. We digress. Anyway, yes, okay, so you're going to try harder to have, have some good self-reflection to get to get, to get to know yourself a little bit better. But basically, basically, disappointment sucks. <laughs> but there are good but, good things we can pull but, from. Yeah, but, but expect it and be ready for it. And so that's probably the reason why we, we often counsel people not to bring family and friends in quickly because, again, they're going to disappoint you. So That's right. All right, stick around. When we come back from the break, we're going to be digging into Jack's brain here with the how come part of our show. So I'm Adam Sunhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We're business coaches, good ones too, excellent ones. And we can help you get unstuck from those how questions that plague your business on a daily basis. In my mind, I'm Welcome back to the Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. And as we've said a number of times, we're business coaches. And we help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. Don't you wrestle with all those how questions on your own. We can help. We've helped hundreds, and we can help you too. We know we can. We know you got a how question. So just feel free to fire it over to us. We appreciate you out there listening to us, and we really like it when you uh, when you engage with us as well, whether it be on the phone or via email, however you want to get a hold of us. If you prefer to kind of do it via email, you can shoot us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com. Or if you'd like to just chat when we're off the air, you can give us a call that way too at 877-849-0670. All right, Jack, we're getting into... And then a good part. And the good part of the show. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, we'll, we'll get to dig into your head here a little bit and see if we can guide it along. This is the, the how come part of our show, which is we're going to have a question about how come and, and relate it to small business, but look at the world around us and what's kind of going on. So see what's on Jack's mind this week. Jack, what do you got for us? Yeah, I got a little how come first. I always have to have a little how come first. Okay. So how come if a deaf person has to go to court, it's still called a hearing? Why is that? Why is that, Adam? Now, wait, there could should, be an alternate be a, answer to should it. Should it be a reading instead? Well, I got a good answer All for right. that one. But uh, you got any other a reading? Could a reading, be, right? reading could be good. A yeah. viewing? No, wait, uh, a viewing something else. Never mind. A viewing, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> well, he, that is for a deaf person now. It's all right. Okay. But it could also be called tennis. Tennis? Think about that. I know some of our more astute listeners get it already. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of those listeners is not sitting here in the studio with you. Let me try well, to figure I that out. No, no. If he has to go to court. Oh, okay. Got it. Tennis, court. Uh, see, right. I, I know I got a few Couldn't, people couldn't be a racquetball? Could be. Well, or basketball? Or basketball court. All right. <laughs> so okay. that's your whole how come. Give me your big that's how come. Little, the big how come is this. Wait, 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 wait. What is the big how come? It's this. How come it's becoming harder to define what a tech company is? How come that's that's the case out there right now? Well, what do I mean? I was reading Inc. Magazine. Great, great magazine. I always get some good nuggets out of that. So does Adam. Uh, everyone should subscribe. Every small business owner should subscribe to that. But let me do a little reading here for a couple articles to put things in perspective. Walk past a sweet green during lunchtime and you're bound to find a famished off a bunch of famished office workers snaking out the front door for a shredded Caesar salad, a kale shredded Caesar salad. But when the Los Angeles-based farm-to-table salad chain launched a new app in January, it curiously referred to itself as a business that had developers, not produce or salad dressing, developers at its core. 
We've always acted more like a tech company than a food one, reads the press release. In recent years, Sweetgreen had grown in-house tech team and created a, an algorithm to make ordering more efficient. It raised $95 million in venture capital. But does all of this make a salad retailer a tech company, particularly when all its revenue still comes from selling roughage? Is that right? These days, businesses across every sector, from fashion to finance, are claiming to be tech label. Now, why? Why is that? I don't know. I heard the word roughage, and I got stuck. <laughs> Good. <clears throat> well, let me, let me give you the reason that he gives in a, in a nutshell here. It's easy to raise money these days if you're a tech-savvy company, and it's sexy. Now, they, they quote this bottle owner of, of, in, the, in the bottled water business. He said, I can say I'm a water bottle company or that I'm a tech-focused, direct-to-consumer water bottle company. Which one sounds better today in the world? Old, stodgy water bottles gathering <laughs> dust on the shelf or, hey, I'm a tech guy? Mm-hmm. Now, which one Which one seems to work, Adam? You know, we, you know, we came across this years ago, you know, the, the, you know, which ties into whoever this guy is in terms of his, his take on it. There's a lot of money that's been going to tech companies. So a lot of grant-making organizations that we've been, you know, we've been involved with and in touch with a lot of ones here locally in the Cleveland area. And you know, usually it's, hey, you have to be a tech company, and they'll, and they'll break out different categories of it. But I recall one of the discussions being, look, hey, as long as you guys use computers, you're, you're, you're qualified as a tech company. I'm thinking, oh, wait okay, well, wait a minute. Who, who doesn't <laughs> use computers today? So, everything, so everyone's point, a tech company. Everybody's that's, a tech company, right? Like, so it's a salad guy here, a produce guy. Okay. So that's the pondering. So this this author went on to try to define what a tech company is. And he, he consulted different people, owners, uh, small businesses or consultants in the industry. And you know, this guy, Todd Berkowitz, is a VP of research for a company called Gartner. It's generally a company whose primary business is selling tech or tech services. A more nuanced definition of a company with tech or tech services as a key part of its business. He just concludes, boy, it's a hard question to answer. So that's one. Another guy. A tech company uses technology to create an unfair advantage in terms of product uniqueness or scale of improved margins. Okay, he's he's talking basically. Uh, you know, could this company exist without technology? If the answer is no, it has to be a tech company. They go on and on. There's there's so many new, numerous articles here, but let me give you a couple of other illustrations that I thought pretty uh, informative here for for what we're trying to accomplish, and that is. Why are tech companies so hard to define? Other than people intentionally looking for money, want to get into the sexiness of, of what, what sounds much better, water bottles or high-tech blah, blah, blah. Two companies, one called Hampton Creek, and the next one I'm going to give you is, is uh, one that we've many people have heard of. Hampton Creek, having developed plant-based mayo and cookie dough, the Silicon Valley startup was crowned the World Economics Forum's Technology Pioneer. So they won this Technology Pioneer Award from this worldwide organization, and they basically developed mayo and cookie dough. Wait a minute. What the hell is going on there? I'm getting hungry. You're going from roughage to mayonnaise and cookie We're dough. Food. All right, this is good. Well, let me give you the other illustration, and this is a good one. The sports apparel company that, that recently made nearly $1 billion in what they call tech 
acquisitions. Claims that in the three years, in the next three years, most of its shirts and... and I'm going to guess this company name. You will in a minute. Uh, uh, claims that in three years, in the next three years, most of its shirts and shoes are going to be tracking data. Now, this company, it's a big company. It's got a logo yeah. like... Go on. Is it Under Armour? It is. Perfect. How did you know that? I read about them. That's where they've been going. That's Wait a minute. You read this article. <laughs> no, I didn't read that article. You read another, this article. Another article about them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've, they've made over a billion dollars worth of acquisitions in the tech sector. That's right. Trying to go up against like Fitbit and all like the, the popular things like that from, a, from an exercise standpoint. So so you, you asked the question, then, are they a sports apparel company right now that are moving to tech? Or are they, if they're going to be putting data to track to track not data but high tech to track data in their shoes and all their mm-hmm. apparel what are they they're an I mean, apparel it's, company I think it's that definition you're talking about I think maybe this is the point you want to make to our small business folks it's always good to bring it back to that which is how are you using technology in your business that's exactly right Adam. right you got to be thinking about how you how you use it so yeah so the fact that they're going to compete against a Fitbit little thing. Okay, well, I'm gonna put it. I'll put it right in the clothes themselves. I don't need. I don't need to wear anything else. It's, it's part of what's in there. You don't have to worry about that, right? So makes am, I great gonna, sense. am I gonna be? Am I gonna be farming this out, or am I gonna be creating a, a, a department within my company that's going to be developing all this technology? And then from there, I spread that out to other companies. I diversify what is now an apparel company, and that becomes a smaller part of my whole business going forward. I mean, that, those those are great questions when when uh, the the top people should be, and you're a top person if you're owning a business, that you should be thinking about as you plan your business going forward. How does technology affect you? Of course, you don't have the the all the definitive answers here, but you got to be aware of this. No, again, it's going to help you grow. I mean, it's it's tapping this stuff. I mean, if, if I go back to you know, we've had a personal training client for a number of years now, and when we first. Or working with them, they really weren't using much technology at all. You know, the the the, the schedule appointments was all done with a, a physical book. And part of the, the the vision and dream was to have multiple locations. You think, well, how do you have multiple locations when you got just a physical book? And you know, this owner isn't isn't you know he uses technology a little bit. But that's not, not not his thing. But to his his credit, he got a great online tool where they're able to not do scheduling because they have multiple locations now. They've been able to grow and utilize this tool to see who's scheduling where. They see when people are coming and going, customers are coming and going, they're checking out. So they've embraced that technology over the last couple of years to make it happen because he he needed it to grow. To use physical stuff just didn't make sense anymore. But it wasn't like he was all excited. It took a while to kind of convert over to that. That's right. You know, when when we coach our clients, and you small business owners out there, you're, you're, you're... you're just totally involved in this. As you lay out your plans, it's it can be very difficult, even though it sounds simple, to define your products. Just what is it that you do, and how do you define your market, and how do you define the business you're in? So again, just playing around with this idea of the difficulty in defining a tech business it doesn't make any difference if you're you know in almost any business. You have something that's going to be unique to that business that could be capitalized on going forward. And a person that, that you're just meeting and you're talking about your business, some are relatively easy to, to get that quick visual, but others aren't. Others are very complicated. You know, we have a, a company that's involved in marketing. And that's, that's if you look at a snake pit and want to look at a snake foot, it's trying to define a marketing company. 
what is a marketing company? How does one look at that? Well, they've had experience at a company that, that makes and produces collateral. Is it uh, PR? Is it, uh, what is it? Sells advertising? How, how do we define a marketing company easily well, among people? Well, a good thing to do as we're getting ready to wrap this segment up here, Jack, the good thing for people to do is a version of what Jack did, which is a little bit of market research. Start looking around some of your, com- your competitors. Talk to those folks so you know. See what they're doing from a technology standpoint to kind of keep ahead of the curve. Look around and read and see what, see what some of the, the, the latest trends are to see. Hey, and ask yourself the question, how can this help my business? Can this help my business? But you gotta be very, you got to be very conscious of it and, and very, you know, doing it on purpose, not just kind of, you know, let it happen by accident. But if you're, if you're thinking about technology and, and, and changing the way you're going to be doing what you're doing, that's, you know, it's very important to make it happen on purpose versus just letting it it's well organically said. happen. That's right. That's exactly right. All right. Good. Always interesting, Jack. I always like to hear what you're, what you're pondering. All right. Stick around. When we come back, we're going to help you figure out how do you go get money from the bank when they don't want to give it to you. Oops. Okay. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners. We are business coaches, and we can help you get unstuck from all those how questions that you have about your business. Give us a call. Welcome back to Dirty Secrets of Small Business. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini with Maximum Value Partners, MVP. We're business coaches, and we help owners of small companies get unstuck from the state of how. Now, don't you wrestle with all those how questions. Honestly, uh, we should have a chat over coffee. That'd be wonderful. You know, give us a call, and uh, let's see what we can do. I prefer tea, as you know, Jack. But yeah, hey, you're do. right. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, can go to a place yeah. of buy service. Both would be good. Those are always good kind of tea time, tea time discussions. Tea time. All right. Tea time. Yeah. All right. We're at that point of our show where we're going to talk about the how questions Jack had, and we're going to tie in uh, with one of our client success stories here. And the the, the question we're going to help answer for you here is: How do I get money from the bank when they don't want to lend it to me? Uh, I, I I can guarantee eight out of ten of you listening to today have had that same problem. You go to the bank, and that's the place you go to get money, and they just don't want to give it out. And you wonder and you scratch your head thinking, you know, are these folks in the business to lend money? or you know, you know, you know, That's what I thought that they were here for, but they don't want to, they don't want to give it out. Hmm. So <clears throat> I'm going to share a story here with a client of ours. A couple things they always like to, to, re- to, to remind people of. One is uh, when we talk about our clients in small business, we t- we're typically talking about companies that have anywhere from 1 to 25 employees. And then we coach, and one of the, the key focuses for our coaching practice is our seven keys to success that we coach all of our business owners on. And if you go to our website at MaximumVP.com and go on the MVP playbook, you'll see a nice little visual of the seven keys there that you can go look at online or you can download and print it off to have those seven keys in front of you. But the, the, the two today that are very important, as you can imagine, we're talking about with bankers here. One is the profit plan, the other one being cash forecast. So we had a, cl- a client here who was looking to get some, some of his business refinanced to consolidate some debts, to fund an acquisition, and also get the books cleaned up after they transferred some ownership. So he had some stuff kind of going on, and as people often refer to it, there was a little bit of hair on this one right, in terms of having a story to kind of tell, but he had a good story to tell. He did have a good story, yeah, he, and he told it well, but well, go on. Go That's on. okay. So the, the, the company had originally been financed uh, by a sizable you know, regional bank. 
And what happened was they'd kind of fallen out of love with their client uh, due to some hard times that the client had fall upon, fallen upon. Now, they never missed out on any payments or anything like that, but they had a couple of times where they had to take a line of credit and, and term it out and become a term note. And again, I, I guarantee a lot of folks listening today have been through that same process before. And uh, so what happened was, though, you know, again, they, they'd kind of fallen out of love and they and they got moved into what's very difficult to find but exists at every bank. It's called the workout group. Workout, not like working out your muscles, right? Um, or, or working out your problems. It's to work your way out of the bank, right? Yeah, they have so many names for that, and they they always whisper it. Or some some bankers don't even admit that they have one. Yeah. In other words, a, a bank never makes a bad loan. Right. Well, they have. Well, <laughs> there's another name we might make, like the specialty asset division, or you know, there's yeah, there's a lot of creative names. But if you if you ask any banker about the workout group. Right. They'll know what that's called, but yeah, if you, you call, could ask for the mortgage loan department, and everyone could direct you accordingly. Right, the workout group, you're going to get strange looks. But let's just say that when this happens, it's not usually a good feeling. It's like all of a sudden, hey, Jack's been my banker for the last uh, for the last eight years. He said, hey, well, it's been great knowing you, Adam, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to now introduce you to George, who's going to be taking care of you when it comes to banking questions. And thinking, who the heck is George? <laughs> He'll take good care of you, kind of thing, right? So, needless to say that you know that this bank was you know, was not like in the greatest of love with our client. That's that's okay. Um, so what happened was you know the, 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 this new guy in the workout group had called him in and said you know I'd like to just get caught up with you. And so we helped our client prepare for that discussion, and he was able to present his story very very well to this guy, to the point where he hasn't heard from the guy now in 18 months because <laughs> because he presented himself so well and the, and he gave him no reason to worry that whatever money was owed to this bank was was going to get taken care of. But they had and he asked him as part of that discussion if they had any desire to loan additional money for some of the growth he was going through, and they didn't. But again, got him off his back for a bit. So. He'd gone to another regional bank that we'd, we'd introduced him to, and they were able to help him with some of the, what was going on, but their particular bank uh, couldn't help with, 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 certain, with certain parts of it. So he had a community bank. Now, community banks are those folks who are usually maybe one location, maybe they have two, but they're really part of the community. And they were touting themselves in terms of how they really like to lend to the story. Not just to the numbers, right? Because we go to these big banks, they all have their formulas and their spreadsheets and everything many, else that they how do. Many times, how many <laughs> times have we heard these stories oh, yes. from bankers? You know? but, uh, God so, love them. But, uh, well, the, 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 this one was very convincing, and, and our client talked to us about it. He said, hey, you know, I mean, if they're touting that, I said, there's one way to find it out. Let's try to test them out and see how they do, right? So, long story short, they had about a six-month process here, kind of getting jerked around at times. And... Uh, at the end of the day, it didn't work out. They weren't able to do what they told them that they could do. They liked the story is really good, but they but they came back to the numbers again. Some of the numbers that they had, or some form of that that, that, that just didn't work. <laughs> so, the, the the other regional bank that we'd introduced them to, even though they couldn't help with some of this, the situations, you know, this banker is very good because he is you know, somebody we've known for probably five years now, and he he never jerks people around. If he can't help, he tells you right away. If he can, he he tells you right away too. But he's always trying to find ways to help out. So we went back to him and said, hey, here's the issue we have with this community bank. He said, look, I have another guy who I used to work with is at a different bank. 
I think he, that you know, I was talking to him about you. I think he he can probably help you. Right, a banker who who helps clients first by referring to another bank if necessary. It's amazing, isn't yeah, it? Isn't he? He's a great. He's been our. It took us about ten years to find him. For, yeah, and we, for we, we, a good five years, and we're never <coughs> going to let go. That's right. Yeah. So he introduced him to, to again a, a former colleague of his who is now at a different bank that 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 liked this story, and this guy was working was working our client through. And about ten days before the before the deal closed, he left. Now, and he didn't go to another bank. He went to an entirely new industry. But he made sure to hand off our client to another banker, <laughs> who was touting that he could help push this thing through. And unfortunately, it reinforced for us that it's the banker is more important than, than the bank. So, needless to say, this guy was a little bit disappointing. And he wasn't able to kind of do what needed to be done. But at this point, our client was doing a great job of pushing this thing to make sure it was going to happen. So as he was pushing, he was able to get another uh, another banker at this bank involved. And he got our regional guy on the phone, too. He just had, a, he just had a, a phone call a few weeks back with these guys to get them all together. And he didn't quite get the deal he was looking for, but it was pretty close and certainly much better than where he was today. But it was an 18-month process to go through and push all the stuff and having very, very good numbers knowing what his cash forecast is going to be, knowing his profit plan to be able to forecast out, here's what I need the money for, here's how it's going to be used, here's why it's better for me, no, and be right. able to respond to these guys and talk their language right. is very, we, very key. We, we teach our, our small business owners how to do that. Now they're empowered. Now they have to pull various bankers uh, together to educate them in terms of how they can be helped. I mean, it, it shouldn't work out that way. Or it shouldn't be that way, but that's unfortunately how it is. So if you're armed with good numbers, you know how to talk to bankers. You go in there with with confidence, and and basically you you find you're going to be successful more often than you otherwise would. It's just uh, it's amazing. We've seen it time and time again. Yes, we have. All right. Well, the the hour goes by quick as it always does. We want to thank you again for joining us on this week's edition of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. You're invited to tune in every Monday at noon. If you have questions before our next show, you can email them at radio at maximumvp.com. Post on Facebook.com forward slash MaximumVP or give us a call, 877-849-0670. You know, at Maximum Value Partners, we're all about building relationships with, with our clients. And we don't start with you unless we feel we can succeed. And it's worked out very well. So if you become a client of ours, we're going to not only feel good together, but we're going to succeed. Defined as growing sustainable profits. We can help you take your company anywhere you want to go. In case you missed uh, this, any part of this show or any of our previous shows, you can listen to them at your leisure, anytime, day or night. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And when you go there, please leave a, leave a review for us. Or if you go to wintradio.com and click on the archive programs, you can find us in there as well. And you can also listen on your mobile devices at tunein.com.